You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. is not all powerful I am (laughs) Satan is not all knowing I am Satan has not free reign in the earth realm I am Acknowledge you are the Lord. You are the God of all strength. We acknowledge and decree and declare that there is nothing too hard for you. We decree and declare in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach that you are loosed and released to have your way in our hearts, our house, our midst, and our city in the name of Yeshua. We decree and declare freedom and freedom and freedom again. We decree and declare that you are able to do what we cannot do. Your passion, your pursuit, your purpose and plans are directed towards our hearts right now. And you will have your delight in us. For you have started a good work and you will finish what you have begun. You are not a God who starts something and then stops. You are the God who is the finisher. You're the author and the finisher. You're the worker and the way maker. You're the miracle worker. You're the healer, the restorer, the redeemer, the deliverer. You're the passion. You're our pursuit. You're our longing. You're our desire. You're everything to us, Jesus. Who is like unto the Lord? Would you move in our midst right now? Holy Spirit, would you begin to release revelation and joy in your house? Would you ignite our hearts with such confidence and peace that everything else begins to dissipate because you are here. You are the light. Darkness has no might. So Lord, thank you right now. Thank you right now. We come to you today, Jesus. And I thank you that we can shout your name out of the place of being seated next to you. Out of that place of being seated with the Most High, you can still shout his name. For it's not for him to hear, but for the enemy to know. That is why we are shouting your name, Jesus, 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 you are Lord, Jesus, you are worthy, Jesus, we love you, Jesus, have your way, Jesus, we come to you, hallelujah, hallelujah, be lifted high and higher and higher, bring healing to our bodies, we hear you. Heal, 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 heal. Touch the area of your body that needs healing. Touch that area. Just say thank you for healing. Holy Spirit, thank you for healing. Thank you for healing that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. 
thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Just let the Holy Spirit heal you. <laughs> let him heal you. Say, so, yeah, I'm not going to try to figure it out. You just go ahead and heal me. Yes. That's all right. Yes. I don't want to. I don't want any credit. I don't want any glory. We just want to be healed. Yes. We want to be healed, spirit, soul, and body, in our mind, will, and emotions. We want to be your bride without spot or wrinkle, Jesus. We want to be wholehearted and whole. <laughs> Here we are. Thank you for what you've begun in this house. Keep moving, Holy Spirit. You're, you're, you're hovering, you're stirring. You're just resting on us, and it's beautiful. We receive your blessing in the name of your son, Jesus. We give you all the glory, all the glory. Keep us sensitive, Holy Spirit. Keep us sensitive to all that you have yet to do in this house, in this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So anybody feel better than, than they walked in here? <laughs> Besides me. <laughs> wow. Oh, just a second. I nearly got knocked over when he spoke that to me, that the enemy's not all powerful. I am. We got to get that. We got to have that written in our spirits. We, we, we embrace that. We, we, we just like, like a dog with a bone, you know, we're just holding on to truth. We're not letting go. And that's one of those truths. So anyway, um, Jeff asked me to mention, we, are, uh, we had our first uh, Saturday morning prayer uh, for the elections in the Supreme Court. Uh, wow, this is about the best word I could describe. Uh, this... We're, we're, we're interceding for generations, you realize this. This election, the Supreme Court affects generations. It'll affect our children's children. It'll, it'll set the course for what uh, the Holy Spirit wants to do. Uh, and when we're talking elections, we're talking here, Iowa, and the nations. And the Supreme Court, again, uh, we, we heard a teaching uh, this by Dutch Sheets. And if you want to come on Sunday, I'd encourage Google Dutch Sheets and just look up his uh, conversations with Dutch. And it was about damn the torpedoes, storm the beach. And uh, it will give you a grid for what, we've been, what we're praying about for the next few um, weeks, Saturdays. So 8.30... 9.30, sorry, 9.30 at the beacon, in, enter in the back, and uh, we had, like I said, we had 18 people there, one heart, one spirit, one voice, and the presence of God was there, and so it was, it was amazing. So we want to invite you again to, to come on a Saturday morning. If we have to, we'll move into the front, and, uh, but uh, this is for such a time as this. We only get one shot at this. Let's give our all for Jesus, right? Let us give it all for the kingdom. I love what Dutch says, and I want to share this, and then I'm, I'll, I'll stop. But he says, I'm not, I'm not for a Republican Party 
or a Democratic Party. He says, I am not controlled by a political spirit. Whoa. Just understand what, what he was saying. Because what we can do as a kingdom people is understand the kingdom. We understand the word of God. And that is where we stand again. And that is where we pray from, is that prayer from the kingdom and prayer from the word. So you're welcome to join us. Thanks. So for the month of September, we're kind of highlighting Go Serve Global. Again, uh, they were here last year and did a presentation. They are headquartered in Eagle Grove, Iowa, but their outreach is around the world. And so one of the things they're doing right now because of the hurricane winds that went through here last month is they are kind of going into some of the outlying areas. Uh, right now, a lot of the bigger cities are getting a lot of the attention. They're getting a lot of the resources right now, as they should. There's more people in there. But the people in the outlying areas in the small towns um, are not getting the help or the resources that they need. And so one thing that GoServe Global did is they're going into communities uh, that are smaller, and they're really going in with all of the equipment to help help people uh, kind of get things cleaned up. And kind of what you saw there is video from just this last week. Um, so they are continuing uh, to do work. I don't know if you heard it, but one of the things that they're trying to raise money for is for a boom truck that they're able uh, to get up there and to get these large trees brought down. Last week, if you were here, you know that they had talked about one particular family that they helped in Huxley, Iowa, um, take out, I think, like 15 trees um, that needed to be taken out. If this family would have had to have paid for that, it would have been well over $10,000 for them to take those 15 trees out. Because of the equipment that GoServe Global had, they were able to do that for nothing. And so that's kind of their heart, is they want to go in and they want to be able to help people, help communities at little or no charge to them. And so that's what we're collecting for, is to support the work that they're doing, also to enable them to purchase more equipment so that they're able to be a greater service to people in uh, the coming uh, years as well. So that's what we're collecting for. So if you'd like to make a financial donation toward uh, GoServe Global, you can just write the amount uh, on the memo line there. Just put GoServe um, and the amount that you want to go towards that. Also, uh, there's a place on the offering envelopes in front of you. There's a place, doers of the words, you can mark that and put the amount that you want to go towards that uh, as well. And then at the end of the month, we'll kind of just send them uh, one big check, and then we'll kind of stipulate that we would like for it to be able to go towards uh, the cleanup in Iowa, whether that's, you know, uh, equipment, however they see best to uh, need to spend that. So we just kind of want to partner with them uh, this month as a way to kind of just reach out and to help um, other people that are still uh, being impacted uh, by those high winds that came through. Also, you can get on their website, and there's a lot of information if you are interested in maybe going for a day or two. Um, they're constantly changing locations, so you almost have to call, ask them, where are you working today? They'll let you know where they're going to be working. You can just drive there and 
meet them. You don't have to bring anything but work clothes. They have all the equipment, and they would love to put you to work for a day. So if that's something that you feel led to do, just get on the website. Uh, There's a place on there. I think it's Iowa Cleanup or Cedar Rapids Relief or something, and they'll give you a name and a number of a person you can contact, and they'll be able to kind of give you current update uh, information. What I would give you today may change uh, by tomorrow. So just uh, if that's something you're interested in, you can just get on uh, their website there and get that information. That's exciting. Did you see all those people standing? Now, just be aware that that fear is going to be something that is going to try to derail you. Fear is something that's going to try to hold you back. Fear is something that's going to try to talk you out of what God is calling you to do. And so that's why I wanted to kind of preface uh, that with fear, uh, because again, fear, uh, you know, it's that song, Fear is a Liar. And what Jim said today is that that's that's one of the tools the enemy has, is he's a liar. He's the father of lies. And I've said to you before, the devil doesn't need a lot of uh, tools, because the few that he has are so effective, And fear is one of those tools uh, that he uses. So I just want you to be aware that there is a spirit of fear. And and we can cooperate with that spirit of fear. And that spirit of fear will shut you down. It will take you out. It will sideline you. That's why God has given us not that spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, power, power and a sound mind. That, that's the antidote to fear. That, that's what we're called to walk in, that's what we're called to operate in, is that love, agape, loving like God loves. Power, dutimus, I mean that's dynamite. And that you're, you're just, you're blowing everything just out of the water. Uh, Because God is working so powerfully uh, in you. It is that power that raised Christ from the dead. That's the dudamus. The scripture says that that power lives in you and I. If you're born again, that power, that dudamus, it's in there. We just need to release it. We just need to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is doing. And that sound mind, it's, it's the mind of Christ. It's the mind of Christ. It's that ability to lay down the language of the world and take up the language of the kingdom. It is to speak as God speaks. That's what Jesus did. He came and he modeled that. He said, I, didn't, I never said anything. I didn't hear the Father first say. That's the mind of Christ. We have that. That's a sound mind. We have that. So that's what I just want to just begin to release over you here this morning. We're going to to come against that spirit of fear. But we're going to cooperate with that spirit of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Amen? 
All right, we've been working our way through a series of messages. Last two Sundays, if you were not here, um, I went way off script, um, so much so that Janie just stopped printing uh, the bulletin with the Church of Pergama uh, because there was just kind of a, a rumor going around that I was never going to get to it. I'm, we're, we're back today. Uh, so if you missed the last couple of weeks... Um, Last Sunday was definitely a very, very uh, raw, it was a very um, emotional uh, sermon for me to do uh, that we have not put that out publicly. You can get that, but you just have to let us know you want it, and, and we'll, we'll send you a link to it. I just don't want to put it out there uh, in, in the general public. So if you want to get a copy, I know people have asked about that, uh, just email the church or let Janie know, and we'll, we'll send you a link uh, to last week's sermon, and, and you can uh, listen to that. Again, it was just a very powerful encounter that I'd had with the Lord about six months ago. So... Um, that is there. So we've been kind of looking at these seven churches, these seven letters to the seven churches found there in Revelations chapter two and three. And these are letters that were given to the disciple John who is, uh, he's imprisoned uh, under house arrest on the island of Patmos. Um, and, and he was there doing hard labor. Uh, he is in the spirit on the day of the Lord, and he begins to have a vision. And in this vision, he is given revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's given revelation to the plans that God uh, is going to be accomplishing upon the earth through the resurrected Christ. It's also kind of an insight into how we will be a part of what Jesus will be doing in the new kingdom. So it's, it's really exciting uh, stuff. So these, two, these seven letters that are given to the seven churches there in chapters two and three, we've been looking um, in them. And so far, we've kind of talked about the letters to the churches in Ephesus and Smyrna. And you can listen to these messages online, would encourage you to do that. Obviously, you can't go back and recap uh, all of that. This week, we want to look at the third church, the third letter, and that is the church of Pergamum or Pergamos. Uh, some of you will have different translations. It's the same thing. Uh, we find that in Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 12, and here's what it says. Write this letter to the angel, and that's angelos, and, and in the uh, Greek, that means uh, messenger uh, or pastor, and so this is being written to the pastor of this particular church uh, in Pergamum. And this is the message from the one, and again, he's referring to Jesus. This is the message from the one with the sharp two-edged sword. And so Jesus is speaking, and here's what he's telling John to write to this church in Pergamum. He said, I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne, yet you have remained loyal to me. You refuse to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you there in Satan City. How would you like that for a reputation as a town? We're called River City. I mean, how would you like a reputation as being called Satan City? That's what he says. He says, but I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, and we're going to get into that this morning, 
who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin. This is Balaam. Balaam taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. In a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching. Uh, there's a little bit of a, of a slant, a nuance there uh, from Balaam, but it's, it's the same spirit there. And he says, repent of your sin, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. So, as I've said, there is an individual application. He's saying to us individually, we need, if we've got ears to hear, we need individually to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. It's also a corporate message to the churches. So there is an individual application. There is a corporate application. So we're listening for two different things. What is God saying to me individually in this message? And what is God saying to us corporately as a body? So we want ears to hear on both of those levels. To everyone who is victorious, and this is where, again, we get into the rewards, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. Now, I was going to tell you, I know I'm not going to get to that this week. Okay, this is just going to bait the hook for next week. We're going to talk about what, what that is, what that means. And I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. That's awesome. One of the things I, I recently read that really caused me to rethink how to uh, more fully approach the scriptures was this statement that Graham Cook made. All kingdom learning is relational. Just gonna let that sink in for a second. All kingdom learning is relational. All of it. All kingdom learning is relational. Now, what do I mean by that? Everything the Holy Spirit teaches us about the kingdom of God is intended, it is designed by God. He does this on purpose in order to lead us deeper and deeper into a relationship with him. That's what I mean when I say, when Graham says, all kingdom learning is relational. It's about your relationship with God. Most of us have been taught, at least I, when I went to seminary, okay, um, I was really kind of taught to approach, to read, to interpret, to understand the scriptures from a theological point of view. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's a place for that. But if that's all you do, you read the scriptures and all you're doing is trying to glean a theological understanding of it, there's gonna come some problems with this and I'll tell you what that is in just a moment. 
So a lot of us have been designed, we've been trained to read, to approach the scriptures from a theological uh, mindset, to gain more and more knowledge about the scriptures and what the Bible kind of has to say in all of the areas it, it covers. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. We need to have accurate uh, biblical knowledge. Uh, we are called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul. So there's, there's that part of our mind that needs to be able to approach and to understand uh, the scriptures from a theological point of view. So there's nothing wrong with correct theology. As long as it leads us to experiencing and encountering God with our hearts and our souls. That's, that's, the, that's the loving God with all of our heart and our souls. If all you know to do is to love God with your mind, but you don't know how to love God with your heart and your soul, what's happening is you don't know how to encounter, you don't know how to experience God. And what that's going to leave you with is it's going to leave you with a very, very educated mind and a very, very prideful spirit. This is what Paul warns against. He says, knowledge puffs up. Knowledge, it's simply knowledge, 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 knowledge. All that does is it just puffs us up. And he says it, 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 it becomes prideful. Love builds up. That's, that's the difference there. So in order for all kingdom learning to be relational, it takes both the knowledge and the experience, the encounter of God together. So when I approach the scriptures, it is with this mindset. And this is fairly new for me, okay? How does God want to use this particular scripture to lead me into a deeper and deeper relationship with him? How is God using the scripture to build my identity in him? I talked about that, you know, how God uh, built my identity uh, last week. And God spoke that, that word, uh, image bearer over me, powerful. That was, that's part of my identity a couple of years ago, I, I had gone to uh, IHOP and I had done um, a, what did they call that? The immersion. Yes, the immersion. Jim and Mary uh, and I, uh, was it just the three of us? Okay, yep. Uh, three's a party, four's a crowd, right? <laughs> so the three of us, we, we went to this uh, immersion experience and one of the things that they did at the very, very end, it was eight days. And one of the things that they, they did in, in kind of the debriefing at the very end of it, they had just asked us a bunch of questions, and you kind of just started filling out the questions. And one of the questions that they asked, I think it was like the very last question, I don't know if you guys remember this, but the question was, what new thing has God spoken to you this week? I had something for every other question. I had nothing for that one. And that kind of bothered me. And so I kind of, I'd kind of purpose in my heart that I wanted to hear a new word from God for, for that week. 
And so I just had purpose in my heart, I'm just gonna, on the drive home, I'm not gonna turn the radio on, I'm just gonna have it dead silent in the car from Kansas City to Mason City, and I was just trusting that, that somewhere between Kansas City and Mason City, God was gonna speak a new word to me. So I did, got in the car, I did not turn on the radio, nothing, I just sat in silence uh, from Kansas City, got to just outside of Des Moines, it had been completely silent in the car this whole time. And I'm just, I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm watching traffic, but I'm waiting on the Lord. Right outside of Mason City, God spoke this word. He said, you are a friend of the bridegroom. Whew. I almost had to pull over for that one. That's what God wants to do. That, that is your, that's my, part of my identity. I'm an image bearer. I am a friend of the bridegroom. You are too. But I, I can tell you how many times I've read this, that, that in scripture where, where John is kind of talking about that in relation to Jesus. I, I've read that a million times. But it became extremely personal. It, it took on a much deeper meaning when God spoke that word to me. That is your identity. That again, that's good theology and an awesome experience of God. That's what he's after with you. You can, you can get so experiential, and I'm, I'm gonna probably get in trouble for saying this, but sometimes people get so experiential, but without the theology, you're gonna get into a ditch. And we, we see that happen all the time in, in the church. God wants good theology, and he wants awesome encounters and experiences with his children. And out of that, there just comes your identity, there just comes this glorious freedom, um, and you really begin to see how great this salvation really is. Um, and, and that's, uh, that's um, so for, for me, it, it's just coming at it from, from from that, what, what are you, how are you using this to take me deeper and deeper into a relationship with you? And then how, God, do you wanna use this to take me deeper in my identity? Um, and it is reading, it is encountering the scriptures with my mind, my heart, my soul, as a son, as a daughter of God. Not as a slave, not as an orphan. So I just encourage you, as, as we're into the word, as you're into the word uh, uh, on a daily basis, allow the Holy Spirit, just cooperate and, and just allow him to lead you in this way. This is engaging with kingdom learning in a relational way. Does this make sense? Are, are you all getting this? Good, all right. Um, I'll get off that soapbox. Now, one of the things that you will Notice as we're going through these seven uh, letters that uh, Jesus has given to the disciple John to the seven churches, what's really fascinating to me is Jesus uses different names, attributes, and descriptions of himself, and he does it all for the purpose of really kind of unveiling certain dimensions of his nature and his character. We would know nothing about God unless God revealed it about himself. 
He is so other. He is so incredible. He is so awesome that the brightest, the brilliance of fallen minds could never comprehend the goodness, the greatness, the awesomeness of God unless he reveals it to us. And so what Jesus is attempting to do in these seven letters is he's beginning to reveal certain qualities, attributes, and characteristics about himself. And all of that is for the purpose of just causing our hearts uh, to just come alive, Um, to be able to see him as he truly is, to worship him in spirit and truth. And truth is a person. So if you were to look at just Revelation chapter one, and just for an example, you would find 52 different aspects of Jesus's eternal majesty. One chapter, Revelation, 52 different aspects of Jesus's eternal majesty. It's revealed in 14 titles, so Jesus Christ, Son of God, those are examples of that faithful witness, you know, Alpha, Omega, First, Last, those are, those are titles, there's 14 of those. There are 10 attributes, and those are blood, voice, feet, eyes, countenance, okay, 10 attributes, and there are 28 descriptions, and that is his testimony, his patience, um, his day. He's in the midst of the seven lampstands. He is coming with the clouds. He reveals mysteries. Those are kind of a sampling of the 28 descriptions. Now, the reason that I'm bringing this to your attention is because these 52 different aspects, uh, attributes, characteristics, descriptions of Jesus's eternal majesty are given to us and they are designed that we will take them one by one and begin to peer into them to begin to look at them, to begin to dialogue with the Holy Spirit. What is this attribute? What is this characteristic? What is this description about? And again, it's where God begins to take us deeper and deeper and deeper into the infiniteness of who he is. That's that's what it's designed to do. And it gives us a clearer picture of just how amazing and beautiful our Savior is. Amen? Amen. So take, for example, the description of Jesus as a faithful witness. I'm just going to break one down for you. What is that intended to convey to us? When, When we talk about Jesus being a faithful witness, he describes himself and he uses that title with John, he says, I am a faithful witness. Well, Jesus' life and ministry will be a faithful witness before God forever. Jesus faithfully represents, he faithfully witnesses the Father in all of his thoughts, his motives, his words, and his actions. 
Everything Jesus does, everything Jesus says, everything Jesus did, all of it was a faithful witness to the person, the character of God. All of it. There was not one thing that he did that was not a faithful witness as to who God the Father was. Jesus represented faithfully the Father in all of his thoughts, his motives, his words, and his actions. Jesus said, I only speak what I hear the Father saying. I only do what I see the Father doing. That's the faithful witness. Hebrews 1 declares Jesus is the express. He is the exact image of the invisible God. He's faithful in that. John 14, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. That is how exact the representation and image of the Father is in Jesus, and he is a faithful witness to that. That's why he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am a faithful witness of who he is. I'm getting excited. And he spoke the truth regardless of the cost. He was a faithful witness regardless of the criticism that was sure and did come his way. Never backed down, never apologized, never watered it down. Jesus faithfully reveals, he is a faithful witness and and he revealed all that mankind was intended to be. He is our role model. We, as a matter of fact, that's part of our journey. We are being changed more and more into the image and the likeness of him. So he faithfully reveals all that mankind was designed and intended to be. He is also the highest revelation of God to us. He is the highest revelation of God to us. I saw a study um, this week. I I think somebody had uh, posted it somewhere that I I was reading, and they're finding that a third of evangelicals are now believing that Jesus was a good man and a good teacher, but he was not God. Part of his faithful witness was Jesus said that he and the Father were one. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. He is the visible image of the invisible God, uh, Paul said. Now, I would say to the third of the evangelical people in those churches, if you don't believe Jesus is God, you're not saved, okay? You're just not. Because here's what Paul said in Romans 10, 9. He said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And that word Lord there in the Greek, it is the equivalent of the Hebrew name of God in the Old Testament. So you cannot say that Jesus was a good man, he was a good teacher, he was a a moral man, but he was not God. That is a lie. This is why he is the highest revelation of God 
to us because he is perfect man, perfect God. He is fully man, he is fully God. As fully man, he is able to represent, he understands our weaknesses because he was in a body like ours. He's, it, it makes him compassionate. It makes him understanding of the struggles, of the temptations that we go through because he was fully man, but he is also fully God. So as, as fully man, he represents us. He understands us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows what it is to be tempted. There's nothing you go through in life that Jesus hasn't gone through it to some degree. So he's fully man, but he's also fully God, meaning he, he can represent us before the Father. So this is, again, this is part of that faithful witness that, that we, that I, uh, we as a body uh, need to uh, be in unity on. This is, this is part of that maturing. It's part of that growing in our knowledge, in our wisdom, in our experience of God. Do we understand it all? No, but we are growing into that. Affirm what you know and just be open to allow God to take you into deeper realms of revelation. That's the beauty of the walk with him. That's why it never gets boring. If you're bored with God, it's because you've never been fascinated by God. If you get fascinated by God and with God, you'll never be bored. I mean, don't call him the most high for nothing, right? Where, where am I, Charlisa? I... So that description there, uh, the reason, I, uh, again, I, I want to bring this up is, is he's telling you something when he's using those 52 uh, characters, those descriptions, those titles, those attributes. He's telling you something about himself that he wants you to know. And so just take time to, to just individually begin to look at those and just begin to dialogue with the Holy Spirit. What, what do you want me to know about this? So what we see in Revelation, I think it's 2.12, Jesus refers to himself, uh, and he uses that description, that sharp two-edged sword. Now again, it represents that Jesus came speaking God's word. And again, where Jesus said, I don't say anything that I haven't already heard the Father say. He's speaking the word of God there. So now Hebrews 4.12 tells us this. He says, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as, um, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intents uh, and intentions of the heart. Now again, there's nothing more powerful than the word of God, okay? I, I mean, it's so powerful when God spoke, things happened. Creation came into being. When, when he speaks to us, things happen. New creations come forth. New destinies are born. And he's inviting us, that, that active, that living word, he is inviting us to more and more into that process of maturing and growing and being transformed more into the image of himself. So there is power in that word that is coming from Jesus to us. 
Now, scholars also believe that that two-edged sword there, that it, it also can represent Jesus's, his authority and his judgment. Just as the Romans back then would have used their uh, swords for uh, their authority and their judgment as, as punishment. Again, Jesus' sharp two-edged sword, it represents God's ultimate authority and that all judgment has been given to Jesus. So again, you can see there's a lot to be learned uh, about Jesus simply by the very titles, descriptions, and the attributes given. Wow. Okay, uh, seven letters to the seven churches are examined. It's kind of interesting to note um, that the cities in which these churches were located, uh, this is kind of fascinating, and I haven't really picked up on the other two, but there were just things about the locations of these churches that really kind of uh, gave them their own kind of unique uh, feature and, and peculiarity. And, and two things stood out regarding the city of Pergamum. Number one, it was a city of instruction, of, of knowledge, okay? In the city of Pergamum, there was one of the most famous and largest libraries in all the world. As a matter of fact, in that library, they probably had over 200,000 volumes. In fact, next to the library that was found in Alexandria, it was the largest library in all the uh, world. The other interesting thing I found out was the use of parchment, the skins of, of animals, um, as writing material was invented right there in the city of Pergamum. Now, the name parchment comes from the town of Pergamos, and the Greeks were great exporter, ex, um, exporters of papyri, okay? And that was the material from which paper was made. And they got into kind of a battle, a feud uh, with the citizens of Pergamos, and they just cut off their entire supply to that city. Well, the city had to turn to kind of another uh, written form a communication, so they were the ones that developed the use of animal skin or sheep skin as writing material. So today, for example, if you've ever graduated from high school or college, sometimes they'll kind of refer to your diploma um, as kind of your sheep skin. That, that's kind of where that uh, term uh, comes from. It's referring to the material in which the diploma was written. So the use of animal skin called parchment as a type of paper was invented right there in the city of Pergamum. It was a very learned city. It was a, a city where there was great education. There were a lot of very scholarly people um, in that city. Many people came there to kind of, of study uh, and grow in their education. But it was also a city of great idolatry, a lot like a lot of the other cities that we looked at. You know, uh, Smyrna and Emphasis, they all had, again, a lot of idolatry going on in the city. Pergamum is no different. In this city uh, was a temple built to the four uh, Greek gods. There was a temple to Zeus, a temple to Dionysius, a temple to Athena, there was a temple to Asclepius, he was the god of healing. In addition to this, there were not one, but there were three different temples that were dedicated to the worship of the emperor Caesar. 
Now, again, Jesus called this city, uh, rightly so, uh, in in Revelation 2.13. He said this is the city where Satan has his throne. This is Satan's city. In other words, this church, it was located right in the heart of hell. I mean, it, it, was, it was right in the middle of hell's headquarters. It, it was living in the shadow of Satan himself. And so the evidence of satanic influence, satanic worship, satanic rituals, it was everywhere in this city. And, and that's what Jesus is referring to when he says this is kind of the throne, this is the seat of, of, of Satan's authority, or this is where Satan has his throne. And again, right in the middle of all of this satanic stuff that is happening was this little church, this precious, beautiful little church of Pergamum. Now, there are some of you here this morning, you may feel like you are in hell's headquarters. You you may be working in a place, and it just feels like the headquarters of hell. You may feel like Satan is running the place. Some of you may uh, be the only Christian where you work. Some of you may be the only believer in your family, and and you get together for family gatherings, and sometimes it kind of turns hellish. You may be the only one in your neighborhood who comes to church. You may feel like you're living or you're working right in hell's headquarters, but don't let that be a discouragement to you. It wasn't a discouragement to the church of Pergamum. It should not be a discouragement to us. That ought to be an encouragement to us. Because Jesus says to this little church, you know, that's kind of located in hell's headquarters, he says, I know where you dwell. I know where you live. I know your works. I know what you're doing. I see where you're at. Just as Jesus knew where this little church was dwelling, what they were doing, he knows where you live, he knows what you're doing, and you can take heart because you are probably exactly where God wants you to be. God purposely raised this little church up in the middle of all of this satanic influence. God purposely raised them up to be a witness. God has some of you where he has you for the very purpose of raising you up as a witness, as a light to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of you may feel a great deal of darkness where you work. Take heart. God has you there to be the light in the midst of that darkness. So right where Satan dwelled, God had put this church and they were faithful. They were loyal. They were a firm church. They were a following church. They followed after the Lord. They were a fruitful church. But they were a church that was camped on the doorsteps of hell. And Jesus uh, deals with this particular church in three ways. And we'll kind of pick it up here uh, next week, we're going we're gonna to look at the ways that Jesus commended the church, and then we're going to look at the ways that Jesus criticized the church. 
Uh, again, some of the churches received, uh, all of them were commended, um, but five of them were also criticized. And Pergamum was one of those churches that had some criticism there uh, that Jesus wants to deal with. And that's where we're going to get in uh, to the teaching of Balaam and to the Nicolaitans. And we're going to kind of pick that up um, next week. Um, but again, just want to encourage you um, that again, just take to heart that no matter where you are, no matter what you are doing, no matter how dark it feels, no matter how alone you feel in doing it, you have to know, trust, and believe that he is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He has you there for a reason. He has you there for a purpose. Um, and, and so I just want to just uh, invite you to stand, invite the worship team to come up this morning. Father, I just again thank you that all kingdom learning is relational. And God, you're wanting to use your word to build, to increase, to deepen your relationship with each one of us. So God, this morning we just come to you with all our mind, all of our heart, and all of our soul. And we just ask you to fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. God, that revelation, knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ would just begin to fill us, to possess our minds, to lead us into all truth. We thank you. Truth is not a concept, it's not a precept, it's a person. And we come to receive, to be filled with the person of truth, your son, Jesus Christ. He is also the way, and he is the life. He is the eternal life. That is the experience, that is the encounter, to be able to experience eternal life. So fathers, we just come with our hearts, our souls, we just want to encounter your presence. We want to experience your goodness. We want a taste of your joy. We want to be led by your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Father that you are here to lead us, to teach us, to love you, to agape you as you agape us. That we would agape you as you agape your son, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus, you agape us as the Father agapes you. We thank you for the beauty. We thank you for the privilege. We thank you for the freedom of coming just as we are 
and knowing that your goodness will lead us and guide us, that your goodness will take us and make us more and more into the image, the likeness of your son, Jesus Christ. That you have called all of us to be image bearers. And so, Father, we come and we just ask, Lord, that you would take and you would just call forth our identity in you. That you would call us to a higher, to a greater place in you. And that, Lord, we would yield, we would surrender, we would cooperate with the work of your Holy Spirit in that. And we thank you, Father, that this invitation is for one and all. Because the work of your cross, your blood was shed, one for all. And we just thank you for your body. We thank you for your blood that was broken and shed for us. So, Father, we just come to just be embraced, to be loved, to be encouraged, to be lifted up this morning. And we thank you for what you've begun here. We just ask that you would just continue to lead us and guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.